Good morning and welcome back. I'm Rick Brown. Thank you for joining us on today's Seek First podcast, where we share biblical truth and engage in today's culture. Take a minute to subscribe to the Seek First podcast. Thanks, everybody. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Spending time with the Lord will be the best part of your day. So let's get ready. Grab your Bible, prepare your heart and mind. Let's go. Um, Dr. Keith has been um, an enormous blessing to me, and he was giving us intelligence long before anyone else had it, so we were able to weather the COVID and deal with the supposed vaccine, which they redefine the definition of vaccine. And, and now we're watching uh, across the country, and they're expecting a third of the populace to be affected by this. The actuary rates for the insurance companies are going through what would be considered a catastrophic event, but exponentially so. 10% increase in, in death for their actuary tables is considered a catastrophic event. We're now at 40%. And this is young people. You, you, you bank on them living a long time if you're an insurance company. You don't want to go bankrupt and, and do payouts for young people. But we're watching cardiac arrests, uh, myocarditis, pericarditis for young people. Um, and, and, and they're still, I mean, I talked to Yuval Shikari, who, um, uh, no, excuse me, Yuval Shakel, not, that, the other one's terrible. He works for the World Economic Forum. Just get rid of him. <laughs> Yuval Shakel, uh, it was our, our Messianic uh, Jewish tour guide. And he said, I can't come to the United States because I haven't been vaccinated. They won't allow foreigners to come in the legal way uh, into the United States if they haven't been vaccinated, but they're let, allowing a flood of, of illegal immigrants coming through without, it's, it's, it's stupidity, and the idea is they want to get as many people to get this shot as possible because they want to thin out the herd. I, I always thought, well, I'm not really sure what their motivations are. When you realize how many people are dying and the media is complicit in keeping it silent, um, and, and we've been taken off YouTube, now we're back on, they're gonna take us off again. Uh, they took away all of our viewers and now we're down to like 10 subscribers and for those of you who are watching, I won't be here next week. <laughs> <clears throat> but we're watching, uh, um, it's, it, I mean, Buffalo Bills. You're watching a, a playoff game. And they said, well, it was because he had a hit and, and you follow any cardiologist, any doctor, he got back up. That doesn't fall in line with, with what they were saying it was. He got back up and then collapsed. And he's young and he had a cardiac arrest. That doesn't make any sense. A 500% increase in, in professional athletes, FIFA, uh, the, the soccer, professional soccer, they had a 500% increase in cardiac arrest. And that's the, the, over, over the highest number before. And that was the year before. And prior to that, they'd have maybe, in, in a year, maybe 20 people sick or dying. We're talking almost, well, over a thousand. Does anyone, is anyone realizing this? And when we travel the country, and I ask this question, how many people know someone who died of COVID? Died from, not with, from. They didn't get paid, the hospital didn't get $40,000 to write death from COVID. They died from it. Of the little over 100, when I was brought before the judge and we asked for a FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act, and the, and the judge was telling me that I was a super spreader <laughs> of courage. <laughs> he just didn't know that. But, but I, I said, judge, of the over 100 at that time that had been attributed with death from COVID, the Freedom of Information Act, only two were from COVID. And they were both over 85. 
with comorbidities. The rest died with it. It's like I had a cold when I died of a car accident. The youngest person who died was from a drug overdose but tested positive for COVID. They called it a COVID death. This is the gimmick. And, and, and the media is complicit and everyone who is, you know, your, your, your pension over principle, everyone who can carry the corner of the stretcher needs to understand this. We want to talk about Sanctity of Life Sunday, which is today. And we, we've seen for the first time an overturning of Roe v. Wade, but yet in the same breath, no church has posted that, but they all posted black tiles. Abortion is the number one killer of black children in America. It, it, it's, it's devastated the black community. It's a holocaust in the black community. 4% of the population of America, black childbearing females are responsible for almost 40% of the abortions. You're gonna have to go to the Smithsonian Institute in 20 years to see a black American. Their birth rate went from over seven to now 1.6, it's almost irreversible. And you say, well, you know, world of wanted children will make a world of difference. That is, a, that is the biggest crock I've ever heard. Who are you to be judge and arbiter of who's allowed to live because you think poverty is, an, is not, you're not able to overcome that? And listen, it's not just the Democratic Party, it's the Republicans too, 1876 when they had Tilden versus Hayes and it was a, a tide in the electoral college and for five months we didn't have a president. And the Democrats in their brilliance said, look, we'll give you the executive branch. Hayes can become president under one condition. And this is after the South had elected the first black Congress members and the first black senators, all from the South, not the North, all from the South. And this is what Lincoln had fought so diligently for. 650,000 soldiers died on a field of battle. And now you have black Congress mem members and black senators, all from the South. And so the Democrats said, well, we'll give you the executive branch on one condition. You remove federal troops from the South. And they did. And the KKK rose, and all of a sudden persecution, and the devastation of the black community and then there was a huge immigration up into Chicago trying to get to the north. The Republicans were responsible for that. They took all the clout and everything that Lincoln had laid out and they destroyed it. Democrats were responsible too. It was Republicans who passed the Civil Rights Bill, but it was a Democrat president who signed it and he said, we'll own blacks from here on out. And they've been a political pawn of both parties. But abortion is the most heinous killer of the black community. Number one killer. And yet we permit it. And, and all the abortion clinics, 80% of them, not all, but 80% of them are all in black communities because Margaret Sanger is a eugenicist and she wanted to get rid of what she called the Negro problem. Not the Hispanic problem, not the white problem, not the Chinese problem, the Negro problem. And every year they give out the Maggie Awards. And listen, every person in this room has been affected by abortion. Don't look at me and say, well, you know, you're judging me. I'm not judging you. My family's been affected by it too. Just because you've been affected by it or you bought into it doesn't mean you need to double down as a Christian now that we have 3D ultrasound. You're telling me that's not a baby? You've gotta be a complete idiot. It feels pain. The scriptures declare that to be a human being. It can't be anything else. It's not gonna to grow to be a unicorn. It's a human being. You say, my body, my choice. Well, that didn't seem to work with the injection, did it? but you stand upon that. Well, it's not your body. It's a whole separate DNA there. 
That's another human being, it's their body. And however you feel about it, get over that because the entire psyche of the nation had to be changed so that slavery, slavery could be lifted from the warp and the woof of the fabric of the country because the country had been enmeshed in it. And you just have to humble yourself. You wanna get out of this misery? Realize that this is the greatest moral issue of our day. And that brings me to our passage. What an introduction. Matthew 16. Matthew 16 is in the Anchored Reading series. I pray you've all been going along with us on that. Amen, yes? That was pathetic. It's a new year. Uh, you listen, a man whose Bible or a woman whose Bible is falling apart is a sign that their life isn't. Read your Bible every day. Every day. I don't have to tell you to eat, do I? You're like, you're eating a meal thinking about the next meal. That's physical food. This is your spiritual food, and your, your spirit is starving. Read your Bible. Well, what version is the best version? I will tell you the best version of the Bible without exception. The one you read. Thank you. <laughs> With the exception of uh, New World Translation. That's JW's. Scary. But, you, you know. Read your Bible. That being said, in our anchored reading series, the idea is that as a congregation, we're all knitted together in the same area as the Lord is teaching us together. We're family. And it's like communion. It, it holds us together. You know, my son, Michael, who's the youngest in our family, we have a, a family text thread, and he always throws up topic for the day for discussion. Uh, is in vitro fertilization something Christians should participate in? I'm like, Where'd you come up with this, son? But it causes every member of the family to debate, and it unifies us. We endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, and we, 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 we come to find out what, what truth is, and we dig deep, and we challenge one another, and the unexamined life isn't worth living. And it's my youngest son who put that together, and we're all into it, and he comes up with great topics. Well, that's what we do with the Anchored Reading Series. You want to call this your home, and I'm thrilled you're here. Come and join us as a family and read your Bible and stay with us through the course of the week as we read together. Amen? Yes. That was a little bit better. That was a little better. I was blessed by that. Well, let's stand for the reading of the Word of the Lord. We're in Matthew 16. We're going to pick up at verse 1. The Pharisees and Sadducees came and testing Jesus, they asked him, that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red, and in the morning will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous nation, a generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given it to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, Is it because we've taken no bread? But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not understand or remember the five loaves or the 5,000? And how many baskets you took up? 
nor the seven loaves of 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? He said, yeah, I, I produce bread out of nothing. It's not a bread thing. Pay attention. But he said, uh, how is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? And then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrines of the Pharisees and Sadducees. By the way, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were enemies of each other. And they came together to question Jesus and ask for a sign. It's amazing how bedfellows are come together and the Sadducees didn't believe in a resurrection. That's why they were Sadducee. That's a through my arm, dad joke. You know how I know it's a dad joke? It's a parent. I heard that from a Southwest Airlines pilot. <clears throat> and the Pharisees would be considered kind of the the legalists, the conservatives of the time, the Sadducees would be the liberals of the time. I don't even know if that's a good description, but suffice it to say they all had their issues. And what is it, this leaven? We're gonna cover that. But before we sit and before we pray, I just wanna say one last thing, that in the conclusion of this portion of the reading, Jesus then goes on to Caesarea Philippi, the headwaters of the Jordan, which was my favorite area in all of Israel to do a teaching with these pastors. And this is, this is where it became so evident to them what their calling was as a beacon of liberty. And it was there that the Lord charged Peter and the rest of them that upon this rock I'll build my city hall, my public square, and the gates of hell will not prevail. And it was following the warning, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. One last thing, Mark chapter 8. Same story, um, but Mark adds, beware of the leaven of Herod. Yeah, beware of the leaven of Herod. We're gonna take a look at all that, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is true, that it is living, it is breathing, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, it divides the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And we're here today, Lord, not to hear from man, but to hear from you. So may man decrease and your spirit increase. And Lord, would you please, Holy Spirit, lead us into all truth. And we thank you. We commit this to you. We ask, Lord, that we would awaken, we would be revived, and not just us, Lord, but the nation. Lord, we pray for a great revival. We know that that comes with judgment day, that we examine our own lives and repent and cry out to the living God. And in our weakness, your strength is made manifest. Lord, help us. For without you, we have nothing. Lord, the only thing we're good at is sinning. We're mighty sinners, but you are a mighty savior. And I pray that we would awaken that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And it's all about you. Help us, Lord. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a seat if you would. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came and testing Jesus, asked him if he showed them a sign. He said, the only sign I'm going to give you is a sign of Jonah, which is the resurrection. He was in the belly of the whale. He was there three days. He emerged. Um, Jesus emerged with a new body, although his scars were still evident. Jonah came out partially digested. 
repent. Like Fire Marshal Bill. But the idea is three days in the belly of the whale, it was a sign of resurrection. That's the only sign I'm going to give you, which he was speaking of his death, burial, and resurrection, which if they didn't understand he had fulfilled the messianic prophecies to that point, they, signs don't save. I, I remember one time sharing the Lord with someone, and they, they said, you know, I would believe if you could show me um, an amputation when they had grown a new arm. I said, all right. If I show you that, will you receive Jesus Christ right now? I mean, I have it. I'm going to show it to you. And the minute I show it to you, will you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I, I want your guarantee before I show you. Well, I, I, so it's not, it's not that, is it? No, no, it's you. You want to be the Lord of your life. You're making excuses. Yeah. Well, I had to credit him on his honesty. Signs don't save. Jesus has fulfilled thousands of prophecies. He has more than proven himself to be who he said he was and is. That's not the issue. The issue is you want to be the God of your life. God said or you said. And I've said often the two great truths of the universe, there's a God, you are not him. And you struggle with him. Welcome to the secular progressive indoctrination you've endured. A masculine and feminine given to a deity is offensive. When yet God said he created us in his image, male and female. And there's a an hatred, patriarchy. But it doesn't seem to be an issue with the patriarchy when you're allowing men to pretend they're women while they dominate all your records, ladies. Where are you? Why aren't you speaking up? What, what happened to feminism in America? It's now saying that men can menstruate and give birth? You've exchanged the truth for a lie. And, and it's just absolute sheer stupidity. Scientifically, the laws of nature, nature's got none of it adds up, but we have, we have exchanged the truth for a lie. Why? Fear. Fear of consequences, fear of danger. That's the reason why we're in this mess and a third of our population will ultimately die from this experimental mRNA injection that we're, we're forcing on our children in California. You, you can disagree with me. I am so beyond that. Uh, you, you call me whatever you want to call me. I am beyond that. It has zero effect on me. Zero. Your head is in the sand. Do your homework. We look at this and we think of, of the leaven. Leaven is sin. Leaven is what gives bread its shape. You put leaven in dough and yet you have unleavened bread, which is flat, and those are like the matzah that are striped and pierced, interestingly enough, and it's the only word in the Seder meal that is not Hebrew. It's called afikomen, which means he came. And Jews celebrate it and they say the afikomen, and they don't even know what the Greek word is. It means he's already come. Your Messiah's already here. They don't get it. They look at the stripes and the piercings and the matzah that they take, and there's no leaven in it. It doesn't rise, but you put leaven, and what's leaven? Leaven is a... A microbe, it's a, back, uh, a, 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 a microbe organism, microorganism that you insert into the, the dough and, and it's a living organism that as it lives, it, it flatulates <laughs> and causes your bread to rise. Isn't that delicious? <laughs> it gives sourdough a whole new meaning. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> 
but, but it causes it to rise. And what, what's rise? It's just air, it's just pockets of air. It, it, it looks like it has form, but when you cut into it, it doesn't have substance. And, and this, is, this is the illustration. It's, it's this idea that leaven is sin. Sin is pleasurable for a season, but the end therein is death. And, and when you defend your sin, you're defending nothing, worthless, chaff that the wind blows away. You spend your life defending something that God doesn't tolerate. You're on the wrong side of history. Eleven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they'd forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, thinking it was about bread. He says, you don't understand. I, I fed you twice. How is it you don't understand that I don't speak concerning bread, but beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Verse 12, but they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine, 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 teachings of the, of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then as I alluded to earlier, the same story in a different epistle, uh, a different gospel, the gospel of Mark, Chapter 8, verses 13 to 15, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. And he left them, getting into the boat again, departed the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. They did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. And then he charged them, saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Leaven of Herod. You're like, what in the world? Leaven of Pharisees, Sadducees, what in the world? I used to just love this guy that I'm about to show you next. He was big in the Calvary movement. Everyone would have him as a guest speaker. I think he's still living. He's got to be in his 80s. Um, I think he lives in Cathedral City. He's really one of the funniest teachers I've ever heard. I, I love his books. His name is Gail Irwin. Any of you ever heard Gail Irwin? A few of you. Wow. He has faded from the scene. He used to be real big in the Calvary churches. He had a book called The Jesus Style. Um, and, and he was captivating. He gave us a whole fresh look at the Lord and this idea of being a servant and what that means to be a servant. And then I remember one day I had brought him in to teach and I was driving with him and I was talking to him about how we'd had candidates come in and speak and how I was thinking of running for office and he, he didn't want anything to do with that. He told me that's, he told me that's the leaven of Herod. I'm like, what? That 11 of Herod. Salvation's not coming on Air Force One. Well, I know that. Yeah, you, it's, you, you become a pawn of the political process. I go, what? It just seems so contrary. This is from one of his writings. It's called The Leaven of Herod. I'll read it to you. Not all. I've cut some parts out just because it's lengthy and I wanted to give you the gist of it. A Jesus issued warning, beware the leaven of Herod. Mark 8, 15. Yes, he warned of other leavens, Pharisees, Sadducees. We can't ignore any longer the leaven of Herod. While the Pharisees, fundamentalists, and the Sadducees, liberals, represent the extremes of the religious world against which Jesus warned, Herod symbolizes the political world. Huh. All right, now I'm getting frustrated with you, Gail. And by the way, I spelled his name wrong. It's with an E, not an I. Um... Actually, we have 
violated all the 11 warnings of Jesus, but strange companions have been uncovered in the bedroom of Herod. In the day of Jesus, the Sadducees, from what we might call a liberal stance, had chosen to make some political compromises with the ruling country of Rome. As a result, Rome decreed that the chief priest would be a Sadducee. Thus, the political bedfellows were Herod and the Sadducees. Today, we've kicked those liberals out. Herod is safely still in bed, but we conservatives, Pharisees, have crawled under the sheets in the political arena. Why do we do that? Simply because we believe that the salvation of our country depended on our ability to rope the raging bull of political power and get that into our corral. I have never seen such frenzied and unquestioned political activity on the part of church people, all of it built around the argument, when we take over or when our man gets in, we will turn this country around and have a utopia. I've never said that. Have you ever said that? There will never be a utopia on the earth. Now, would you believe it? A whole new theology has sprung up preaching that we should be Herod. The theology flies several banners, dominion theology, kingdom now theology, restoration theology. The bottom line of these approaches is that we Christians should take over all the power centers, financial, governmental, etc., of the world and establish the kingdom of God so that Jesus can come back and reign. They must think that this great we call that this great we called the church is better qualified, organized, and trained to be the Herod, the Nixon, Carter, or Reagan. It seems that I hear the mother of James and John asking for some special privilege for her good boys again. Somehow we think that power corrupts everyone else, but we are in a special category. We never learn. So what now? So we so having said all this, what is my answer? It is too simple. We are people of hope, and our hope is in Jesus and him alone. If our hope is in this life, as Paul reveals, we are most miserable, but we are people of a different kingdom whose rule, who rules the world cannot understand and whose establishment awaits a returning king. In the meantime, the king rules in our hearts and in our actions. We are to be people who are not fooled by any of Herod's seductive ways. It goes on, but I... I as I read it, I got frustrated. He said, you know, he also, to his credit, didn't say you're not supposed to participate in political process, but that's not your salvation. I've never said it to be my salvation. But to, to his instance, he, he says that, that somehow the church involving itself in a political process has now subjected itself to the leaven of Herod. Well, I propose a different view than Gail Irwin's view of leaven. These two forms of leaven are false religious laws, uh, false relig uh, are false religious law and false civil law. While all this, uh, why at the same time, Jesus' use of leaven for each of them suggests a common idea. The leaven points to the capacity to spread and to the principles which give shape to our lives, just as leaven aerates a loaf and gives it shape through gaseous activity. Herod's political leaven gives the wrong shape to one's life, and so does the religious leaven of the Pharisees. Now follow me. Christian politics sets the civil framework within which the gospel preaching can flourish. If preaching the gospel is the most important thing, then protecting the preaching of that gospel should be the second most important thing. Welcome to the First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Who came up with that? Christians. Well, cut my legs off and call me shorty. Non-Christian politics removed Christian teaching from schools and it is in the process of removing it from public life so that many jobs in the public sector and eventually the private sector will become harder and harder for Christians to hold. 
If you will not fight for right when you can easily win without bloodshed, if you will not fight when your victory will be sure and not too costly, you may come to the moment when you will have to fight with all odds against you and the only precarious chance of survival. There may be even a worse fate. You may have to fight when there is no hope of victory because it is better to perish than to live as slaves. Winston Churchill. Victory is not determined by the outcome, but by the obedience. And there are times where we're to stand always for the truth, that the truth would set the captives free. And we would do that on behalf of our neighbors. Those who want to remove religion and politics are effectively saying that Christians should not be leaders. Civil leaders are politicians, so secularists are effectively saying that there should be no Christian leaders. You don't belong in politics, really. Hmm. When did I get excluded? from deciding the laws that would affect the welfare of my neighbors when the Lord said the two great commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, love your neighbor as, as yourself, and on those two commandments, hang all the law of the prophets. When did I get relegated to obscurity because of my faith that I can't contend for the welfare of children who are being told there's more than two genders and they're being hypersexualized by our school board? When did that happen? There is good reason to be aware of it. Secularists are very offended at the breach of civil law and they bring down the force of the law upon those who offend their law. You know what the leaven of Herod is? The leaven of, of the Sadducees? They remove moral law. The law is the wise restraints that make men free. How is that? You apply restraints towards evil in order to pursue excellence. Yes? Any athlete understands that? Any parent understands that? I wanna, I wanna, I wanna play Xbox, and I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna eat candy. I don't wanna do my homework. You're gonna turn that off, and you're not gonna have candy. You're gonna eat your dinner, and you're gonna go do your homework. I don't, I, don't, I don't wanna do that. Well, when you do that, you're going to pursue excellence, and you're going to broaden your your choices because you're gonna be educated and you can pursue different fields of activity. I, I don't want to, I, I just wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I, I'm stuck in law of thermodynamics, I wanna reduce to the least common denominator and be a blob of tissue on a couch, and get fat, and I want a participation ribbon. <laughs> You'll get nothing but a spanking. Well, that's child abuse. How'd that happen? Because we've removed ourselves from the moral law. Children are a steward of our lives. I give an accounting of my children. The state doesn't own them. But we give the state so much power because we're afraid of the consequences. The leaven of Herod is that he would remove the moral law. The leaven of the Sadducees is that they would remove the moral law you know what happens when you remove the moral law, the Decalogue? It no longer affects the civil law. Then what happens? The civil law becomes a weapon to enslave you. They don't, they don't, they're not accountable. This is what makes America so different than every other nation on the face of the earth. 246, 47 years of unprecedented freedom because of the simple fact that we say, endowed, these truths are, are given to us by our creator endowed by our creator, certain inalienable rights, among those being life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. For this purpose, governments were instituted among men. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator. 
And what, they, what we de declare in our birth certificate, and then it makes its way into the civil law, the seven articles of the Constitution, the 27 amendments, is a declaration that the sovereign in America is the people. And the people have the right to, to flourish and have life and life more abundant and freedom. And that freedom is having choices. And those choices come from the simple fact that government is limited. It's necessary because if man were not evil, government wouldn't be necessary. But because man is evil, government has to be held accountable, and that's why there's three branches. And they, we separate the power so power wants to concentrate. It's like Lord of the Rings. And, and you're Gollum. My precious. And, and, and we're not supposed to wear the ring. The ring is leaven. The ring is sin. We're supposed to bear it, not wear it. The Via Dolorosa, we deal with the pain. We deal with the struggle. We contend in the public arena for the sake of our neighbors. It's critical. And there's a good reason to beware of the leaven of Herod, the leaven of the Sadducees. They're secularists. They're secularists. They, they, have, they have removed the moral law because they want to weaponize the law to tell you what you can and can't do. How many of you had your jobs threatened if you didn't take the clot shot? Raise your hand. Well, you can make fun of me. I'm, I'm, I like to, it's called hyperbole. All right, I'll, I'll, I'm, I want more people to participate. So how many people would have lost their job had they not taken that very efficacious, profound, you know, you know you, and you took it because you believed in its efficacy. Uh, somebody's speaking. How many, how many of you took the shot because you, you believed in its efficacy to really protect you? One and, and, I, and I don't fault you because they really tried to do that to us. How many of you took it because you were afraid of losing your job? Raise your hand. So, so you see, and, and that, that's where we are. The government has now come to this place. And, and, and now, how do you have a free society and a democracy when you suppress free speech? Lifetime ban from YouTube. They just don't know we're back on. Came in a different name, Rob with two B's. <laughs> Suspension of the freedom of speech. Unbelievable. Beware of the leaven. The leaven is saturated, our government. The leaven was was really active this past couple weeks at Davos. The leaven has affected our airline industry. Say hello to Dr. Susan Northrup, the U.S. Federal Air Surgeon, FAA. She's a surgeon. I wonder if she knows the statistic Dr. Susan Northrup is also going to have to explain why there is a 300% increase in long-term disability claims filed at American Airlines January to July of 2022, and what investigation the FAA made into what was disabling those pilots. Interestingly enough, 
John Heil is a pilot. John refused to take the COVID vaccine due to safety concerns. John also happens to be Dr. Susan Northrup's husband. <laughs> this was on Tucker Carlson. The FAA has very quietly and tacitly admitted that the EKGs of pilots are no longer normal. We should be concerned, very concerned. After the vaccine rollout, the FAA secretly widened the EKG parameter range for pilots so they wouldn't be grounded. It looks like the vax gave at least 50 million Americans some sort of heart damage. But, but, but we have to keep poking everybody with it, especially the kids. Get the kids. Get them. We took swine flu out because it had 200 deaths attributed to it. Vaccines are the leading cause of coincidences, it seems. This is Stephen, uh, uh, this is Kirsch. He said, I just received this note. I'm a 66-year-old commercial aviator with no previous heart problems. On January 6th, my first class medical was deferred due to second AB block, Mobitz type 2, see picture of EKG with diagnosis. I am asymptomatic. I received both Moderna injections March and April of 2021. No booster. I'm an ex-endurance athlete, road bike racer, and do not have, uh, and, and not, taken any routine medications. I'm awaiting an appointment with a cardiologist next week. Coincidentally, my wife suffered a severe heart attack on May 21st, eight days after her first Moderna injection. She had no previous history of heart problems. The cardiac harm, of course, is not limited to pilots. And this is Steve Kirsch. He says, my best guess right now is that over 50 million Americans sustained some amount of heart damage from the shot. That's a lot of people who will be very upset when they realize the vaccine they took to reduce their chance of dying from COVID, which had a 99.7% survival rate. By the way, all the increase in deaths in the actuaries are not people dying from COVID. No correlation, just keep, just, there's nothing to see here. Just stay in your stupidity and call me conspiracy, okay, whatever. <laughs> They'd be very upset when they realized that they took it to reduce their chance of dying from COVID actually worked in reverse, making it more likely that people would get COVID, be hospitalized from COVID and other diseases, die from COVID and other diseases. You also have an excellent chance of getting a lifetime of heart damage for no extra charge. Collect them all. On October 24, 2022, the FAA quietly, without any announcement at all, widened the EKG requirements necessary for pilots to be able to fly. The PR, a measure of the heart function, used to be in the range of 0.12 to 0.2. It's now 0.12 to 0.3, and potentially even higher. This is a very wide range. It accommodates people who have cardiac injury. Cardiologist Thomas Levy is appalled at this change. We've had a number of pilots drop dead in flight. Basically, the vaccines are causing heart injury in at least 2.8% of people who get the shot. So 7 million Americans now have heart damage by COVID vaccine. He admits the number could be over 100 million. The fact that the FAA quietly changed EKG parameters for pilots suggests that the vaccine is causing a huge number of pilots to fail their screening. This is tacit admission of a huge problem. And at Davos this week, the Pfizer CEO, Albert Borla, had something to say about this. He says, you know, COVID-19 vaccines were politicized because people questioned whether they worked. And that this questioning was constantly in our way. And so now they're talking about how do we get rid of these voices that speak in opposition to our prophets? 
That's the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and Herod. There's no moral law that governs what they do. It's the almighty dollar. It's greed. It's the opposite of what God calls the moral law. You won't covet. You won't lie. You won't murder. You won't steal. You remove that moral law and you have people who govern under the leaven, the gas, the air, the emptiness of the leaven of the Pharisees, Sadducees, and Herod. There's hope. Breaking news, cardiologist says likely contributory factor to excess cardiovascular deaths is COVID mRNA vaccine and rollout should be suspended pending any inquiry, pending an inquiry. He said, we did it, we broke mainstream broadcast media. It's hard, these guys are losing their licenses because they're standing in an oppositional view. In California, they passed a bill that any, any doctor that's, that stands in opposition to the narrative will lose their license. You all, you all remember Shawnee Anderson? She had to move to Virginia. She would have lost her license here in California. That's the leaven of the Pharisees, Sadducees, and Herod. Beware of that. And I conclude with this in the remaining minutes. In our reading together, which I really want us to do, you, you, you see the chapter begins that the Pharisees and the Sadducees seek a sign. They have no interest. They have no interest in repenting or changing. Everything Christ has had to say to man, he said it. You want proof? Do your homework. And the Lord looks after he's walked away from them, he said, the only sign I'm gonna give you is the sign of Jonah. The tomb is empty, I was just there this week. Christ is alive. No one ever made the claims he made, amen. The grave couldn't hold him, death couldn't hold him. No one ever made the claims he made. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. And I got news for you, he's Lord. They're liars, he's Lord. He's truth. And when he warns us of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, it's not telling us to step away from political involvement. I love Gail Irwin for many things, but not for, for his declaration to avoid that. The leaven is not politics. The leaven is civil law void of God's moral law. And immediately following the education and the warning to the disciples, Jesus hikes them up to Caesarea Philippi in the same chapter. He turns to them and he says, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah. Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven, who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. No. It's not church. We've covered this. This is what is 
is awakening these pastors. When we were in Israel and we covered this exact passage, it was as though a light went on and they got it. The word church is not accurate. This one word right here, ecclesia, doesn't mean church. William Tyndale in the first English-speaking Bible translated from the original language this passage and he put the word assembly instead of church and for that word he was hung and his remains were burned by the king because the king did not want moral law to justify his civil law. He wanted to be judge, jury, and executioner apart from God. I am the science, says Fauci. No. No, that's the leaven of Herod and the Sadducees. Upon this rock I will build my city hall. Upon this rock I will build my public square. You go ahead and you examine and you investigate what the word ecclesia or ecclesia means according to Aristotle. It, it existed hundreds of years before Christ used the term. He didn't use a religious term. He didn't say synagogue or temple. He used a secular term and he said it to his disciples. Upon this rock, Peter, your testimony that I'm the Messiah, upon this, I will build my public square. And the gates of hell which enslave will not prevail. And he pointed to the gates of hell which were right there in Caesarea Philippi. They're not gonna prevail. They're not going to enslave your neighbors. They're not gonna weaponize the law and remove the moral law in order to enslave and to abuse. Because whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And I have come that they might have life and life more abundant. Wow. And then he says this. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Messiah. And then he went on to talk about his crucifixion, but he never talked of the crucifixion without the resurrection. It was Peter who, Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed to you, my Father in heaven. Same chapter, verse 21, Jesus talking about his death, burial, and resurrection. Peter says, as he took him aside, he rebuked Jesus. He said, far be it for you, Lord, that it shall happen to you. <laughs> you can't die. You just can't do it. And Jesus turned to Peter. He just, one chapter earlier, blessed are you, Simon Bardone. My father has uniquely anointed you. And you know what he does in this chapter 16? He says, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. For you're not mindful of the things of God or the things of men. And then the last teaching, this is so spectacular. If you didn't join us on the journey this week, why not? It is so spectacular. At the conclusion of that chapter, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father and with angels and then he will reward each according to what? His works. Oh, we're supposed to work down here? Yeah. 
You mean we don't get a participation room and get to go to heaven because we've got to get out a hell-free hell card? No, you work. You don't work to be saved. You work because you are saved. You do good. Surely I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming again in his kingdom. If any man desires to come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. You want to save your life? You'll lose it. You want to lose your, if you lose your life, you'll save it. What does that mean? Live like there's a resurrection. Quit being afraid of man. Fear of man is a snare. Contend for the freedom of your neighbors no matter the consequences of truth. Operate in such a way that if you're being put on trial for being a Christian, there'll be enough evidence to convict you of such. Otherwise, you have fallen prey to the leaven of the Pharisees, Sadducees, and Herod. Now you're stuck in the cowardice position of pension over principle, your job over truth. You look your kids in the eye and you say, the freedom given to me by my ancestors is not worthy of you. I'm too afraid to stand. I can't contend against a behemoth like the World Economic Forum and the FAA and the California Teachers Association. Really. What's the why in what you're doing? Is it God or fear of man? We're all left with that decision. But today, we have been warned. Beware. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and also of Herod. Civil law without moral law is slavery. And that's the mess we're in and it has permeated the loaf of America. And God is calling us to fix it. You would rather make a theology to remove yourself from responsibility so you don't have to participate in politics because politics is dirty. Yeah, it is dirty. And yeah, you can't get prone to thinking it's about power. And that's a problem of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They wanted power, not truth. But if you contend in the political arena for truth to set the captives free that the gates of hell would not prevail, power will not be the issue to you. Your neighbor will. And you'll know because it'll cost you something. To stand for truth is not always popular. It comes at a cost. But there's no greater thing you can do. I love God's word. Isn't it amazing? He's been good to us. He's been good to me. He's given me you. Otherwise, I'd be going on a long, lonely walk. And I marvel. I'll conclude with this. I marvel how a group of people so dedicated and committed to the teachings of the Lord apply them in their daily lives in such profound ways that every ministry in this church is something I never even knew started or began only to ask the staff, what is this ministry? And they tell me. It's one of you having 
a burden from the Lord and, and not waiting for someone else to do it. You just roll up your sleeves and get busy. That every single day of the week, from morning to evening, this church is busy with activity because what you have done. We now watch as you have permeated through parachurch ministries into unions for firefighters, nurses, and doctors to stand and contend for truth for the sake of your neighbors, coming at a price and you create these organizations to contend with the tyranny of the state. And as a matter of fact, the issues coming out in American Airlines and the reason why we're able to contend with the FAA is because pilots in this church stood in opposition. We're watching, we're watching people in this church, amen, <laughs> contend in the bastions of Hollywood. Yes. You know why? Because you woke up and you realized a very exciting truth. You're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus and God hasn't given you a spirit of fear but a power, love, and a sound mind. And truth means everything to you. And you're not afraid. That ripple effect has become a tidal wave across this country. I tell them about a newspaper that was started by a handful of people, not me. Kyle Jory wants to give me credit. Thanks, Kyle. Your paper sucks. That's why it happened. I had nothing to do with it. And what happens? People from all over the community gather to fold it, deliver it, and contend for truth because no one else will report it. You all are amazing. I love coming home. I love being here, and I love bragging on you. God's word is true, and you believe that, and you live accordingly. And I commend you and thank you. It's a joy to be a pastor of such a, and I know Pastor Rick feels the same way. We both pinch ourselves. Lord, thank you for God's speak, and thank you for the men and women who love you and love your word, for you are the word. They love truth. They love truth, and they, they fear God, not man. And they stand for truth. They're not afraid of the consequences of truth. They live as though there be no resurrection. Their lives would be pitied, but they know there's a resurrection, and they put their lives on the line every day for truth. And Lord, for those who are here who are being inspired by the courage of others, Lord, give them a spine to do the same. For those who have failed, I thank you, your word says, forget what's behind. Strive for what is ahead. Take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of you. Don't double down on your stupidity. I've given you a clean slate, the Lord says. Now proclaim the truth. No longer be afraid. You're a child, you're a child of the king. And so Lord, thank you. What a wonderful father you are. Holy Spirit, thank you for your strength. And Lord Jesus, thank you for your example. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Light in the darkness, I want hope for the hopeless and rest for the weary mind. And you've got truth for the taking, but my heart won't be shaken if today be the day that I die. Whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh.
or fear in times of trouble. I keep my heart seeking you. Oh, I will keep my heart seeking you. Whoa, 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 whoa. When that day draws near, when my darkest fear, I will keep my heart seeking you. And when your I will keep my heart seeking